Okay, so you know I love good wordplay. And Third Love is crushing their wordplay here. When you have a bra that pinches or slips or just isn't comfortable at all or is comfortable but isn't your style, you've got problems. <laughs> How excited was Third Love when they thought of problems? Well done, Third Love. I see you. When you wear Third Love bras, you've got no problems. They fix the problem of size exclusivity with their famous half-cup sizes that revolutionized the industry by giving more options to find a bra that fits. And they fixed the problem of guessing what bra will fit you with their virtual fitting room and other helpful guides. A bra size chart, a bra 101 education section that's basically an FAQ for all your burning questions, and a ton of great reviews from real people. My sister just texted me, 99 problems, but pinching <laughs> isn't one. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code podcast15. And through the joy and pain that our lives bring, we can do hard things. Hi, everybody. It's Glennon. Thanks for meeting me back here. Um, today on We Can Do Hard Things, we decided to talk about how to survive hard feelings. Okay, and we planned this a while back, mainly because the world is such a constant and utter avalanche of heartbreak and anger, and um, and so is life. And so we were relationships, and we just thought that we would talk about how to make it through, um, how to experience hard feelings without being consumed by them. And so that's what we're going to do today. But I want to tell you that um, right now, <laughs> I kind of can't believe, I actually asked if we could cancel this one and not record this one today because... Um, I am about to take my son to college a couple days out, actually. And I thought that I would, um, I thought I would crush this part of life because I really like change. Um, but I am, whatever's the opposite of crushing, I am being crushed under. I am actually being crushed under this experience. And um, as a survival mechanism, I have decided to stop feeling anything. <laughs> Okay. So that's what I'm doing. I am, um, I just bought a, I think a five pound tub of, of red vines and I am red vining and reading my way through the pain. Reading is another way I escape. So, um, ironically, we are here to discuss having our hard feelings and feeling them during a time where I had, I have Elsa'd my way out of feelings. I am <laughs> concealing, not feeling. Um, I am not letting it go, but I will tell you, <laughs> I will tell you, no, it's, I am just, I am living every single day. And to be fair, this is how I've lived my entire life. Okay. I can see to the rest of the world that they look at me and they think I am a normal human being having a normal human experience. But I am telling you that all I do all day is I just 
stand on this little edge of a canyon. Okay. I am standing on the edge of a canyon and it's right to my left y'all. It's, it's, it's right there. Okay. And the canyon is just this pit of despair and fear. It's, it's a canyon of madness. Okay. It is. It's a canyon of effing madness. And I am one centimeter. I am just right there. I can, when I think, no, 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 I'm not going to think about it. When I consider thinking about thinking about the experience of my child leaving for college, when I consider thinking about the state of the world, when I consider, I could go right in any second. So I just, right now, I am staying frozen on the edge of the canyon and I know it's right there, but I'm just trying not to go in. Okay. And by the way, that canyon, when I say it's madness, it's not crazy. Okay. It's real. The canyon is what's actually happening. Okay. (laughs) The canyon is the reality of the world and the reality of being human, right? Which the truth of life is that we are loving these people so much and we are going to have to slowly separate from them. Okay. That is the canyon of madness and despair and fear that is real. Honey, but you're doing the very best that you can. Look, like I see it every single day and I am tiptoeing around this <laughs> yes, you are. person. This person you say is my wife. I'm uh, I'm equal parts worried, but also I feel like you're just doing the very best you can and you're doing a beautiful job. You really Thank are. You. Thank you. I know you, it's babe. hard. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and I know okay, my whole life I have been feeling hard, big feelings. Okay. Feeling things deeply, super sensitive person. And that is what my early addiction was about. Okay. I think that we start to sensitive people who are feeling hard and big feelings. We don't know why one day we end up alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever, but it started usually as just a way to turn down the volume. Okay. To we're sensing too much, we're feeling too much, what we're told is too much by our culture. And so we find ways to to turn it down. Okay. Um, and so I remember, and I know I've t- told this story before, but you're just all gonna hear it again because it's my most important story. And I tell it to myself maybe every third day. But um, when I first started getting sober, when I was 25, I think. The first day I got sober was the day that I found out I was pregnant with my son, who is now going off to college. If you want to think more about the pit of despair, (laughs) I've never even humaned without being this child's person. Okay. So fine. That's fine. It's fine. Life. That's fine. You got yourself, baby. You got it. Okay. So I, um, when I got sober after 15 years of um, depending on alcohol and food and drugs and everything to numb myself, you know, early sobriety is really tricky because most of us, when we've been addicted for a while, we just, all of our people convince us that sobriety is going to be this like promised land that's nirvana. You know, they so badly want us to get sober because rightfully so we're ruining everyone's lives, right? And so we trick ourselves into thinking, oh, 
it's just the booze and the and the drugs and the food and the whatever that's my problem and and if i just quit that i will feel better so what happens i should say what happened to me is that i decided to quit okay so that i could become this little being's mother and i felt worse than i ever remembered feeling in my entire freaking life early sobriety was a freaking nightmare. It was just this like exposed nerve, right? I just, all I did every day was remember why I started drinking in the first place, right? I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm sober. Yay. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Life is terrible. Being human (laughs) is terrible. The drinking, all of that was like a coping mechanism for this. And now I don't even have it. And that is terrifying because when you get sober, you realize, oh, wait, wait, wait. If the drinking and the food and all of that wasn't the problem, then does that mean I am the problem? Mm-hmm. Because it's terribler, because now you don't even have the excuse for life being terrible that you're crazy drunk. So exactly. now you're like, I I got my my like alibi for why my life sucks <laughs> is no longer with me. And I just have a life that sucks. But sister, that's exactly Good. it. That's like how it felt, which is terrifying. It is the most claustrophobic feeling because it's like, oh, there's nothing else. Like there, there, I I can't quit being me. Right. So I went to, I remember going to like my sixth meeting. Okay. Recovery meeting. And I had not said anything yet, but I finally stood up and said, okay, my name is Glennon and I'm in recovering everything and yada, yada. And I am terrified because I'm miserable, more miserable than I've ever been. Um, and I just walk around all day wondering what is the secret to life that everyone else seems to have, but I don't have because being human looks like it's so easy for everyone else. And it feels so hard for me and I'm terrified all the time. Thank you very much. And I sat down. Okay. So this woman comes up to me at the end of the meeting and I remember her as like, she had to be 80 years old. She was probably 27. So we, we live pretty hard, right? As addicts. I have no idea, but she seemed so wise and like angelic. She sits down next to me. She puts her hand on my knee. She says, honey, can I, I just want to tell you something that somebody told me in early sobriety. And that is this. She said, the reason why you're miserable right now is not because you're doing life wrong. It's because you're finally doing life right, okay? Because you're finally showing up for life and for being human without any bullshit, without any armor, without any what. You're just finally feeling it all, and that is hard, and that is why so few people do it. But if there's any secret to life, it's that being human is not about feeling happy. It's about feeling everything, right? All of these feelings, they are, they are actually all for feeling. All feelings are for feeling. Even the uncomfortable ones, even the hard ones. And that, as you know, both of you, that sounds so simple. I am telling you for me, that was a freaking revolutionary idea that 
I didn't know you were supposed to feel all your feelings. I didn't know that anger and envy and heartbreak and rage and doubt were for feeling. I live in a culture that told me happiness and joy and success and pride. And these are all for feeling. The rest of those feelings are for hiding and for being ashamed of. And those are failure, right? So this concept that, oh, wait, that's just like a consumer culture lie. Yeah. I mean, it's all culturally constructed. Like it's, it, it's funny because now there's this Ted talk, this woman, Watt Smith, she's a historian. She does like the history of emotions. And she said, now we have this idea that we're um, supposed to be happy all the time because happier people make better parents and they make better workers and they make healthier people. But in the 16th century, it was the opposite that, that they believed that sadness did all of that. So you, it made you a better worker. It made you a better parent because, um, and they actually had self-help books then that taught you to cultivate sadness because they believe- Oh my God, I missed my time. You did. You're a woman born too late. (laughs) So they believed that if you were an expert in sadness, it made you more resilient when inevitably all the things went wrong that would went went wrong in life. So Mm. those were the people who were seen as more- uh, like emotionally mature if they were just sad all the time. And also here's the other thing we view like this hierarchy of emotion, but that when you look at like, what are the core emotions that people have? It varies. Like sometimes some scientists think it's like six or eight or whatever, but by of the six core emotions, five of them are what we would call negative emotions, Mm. like anger and fear And there's only one of our core emotions that we make, like our DNA is made up of. Only one of them is what we would call a positive emotion. No way. Which one is it? Um, So they are, I got to find them. They are anger, disgust, surprise, fear, sadness, and happiness. Oh my God. So those are like evolutionary and only one of them is happy. Wow. That's so interesting. Isn't that the beauty of sobriety for us? It's like, you know, I feel like when I was drinking, I was just like, well, I'll deal with that tomorrow, like of everything. So yes. it's not just mm-hmm. feelings. It was like to do stuff and yeah. like get my shit together, get my whole life together. So yes, like this whole episode is going to be around feelings. But like, if you are actually capable of feeling your feelings, your life will be better because everything else then starts to come together. Then you actually mm-hmm. can get your shit together. And by the way, I'm like five years out and I'm like just starting to get it all together. Like just yeah. right right about now. So if you're early in your sobriety, give yourself some time. You'll no, get there. It's like defrosting. You have to like, it's, it's, it hurts so bad at first feeling yeah. when you have decided or you've been convinced not to, it just stings like crazy for a while. All you can do is survive it. You definitely can't get your shit together during that time. Well, it's interesting you say sting because it's interesting you say sting because it's like, it's literally emotions are, they evolved as self-preservation. Like they are, it's like fear and anger. It's coded into our DNA. It was made in us so we could sense threats around us. So we could read our environment. So we could decide whether we had capacity to handle any situation. And it's actually, when you reframe it like that, it's a positive thing thing because all of these emotions are giving us information we need to be prepared to positively handle the situation. It's so amazing because it's like 
it, there's several parts of it, including what happens to our actual bodies when we feel emotion. But I feel like when you said about sobriety and untamed, how it isn't the pain that takes us out of the game. It's the shame about the pain. Mm -hmm. I feel like that whole way of thinking about it works with emotions because literally scientifically, it isn't our emotions that are the problem. It is how we feel about our emotions and how we process them because of how we feel about them that leads to poor emotional health. You can have the same amount of anger and sadness and fear in two different sets of people. And if they have different beliefs, different feelings about their feelings, Mm. then they have different health consequences. My God, it's so amazing. Think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this, there is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddlers in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Let's talk about, I mean, in Untamed, this is how I I used to feel about how feelings can give us information, right? I mean, after I changed my perspective on feelings in terms of I will no longer ignore, numb, hide, shame, deflect my uncomfortable feelings just to be a more effective, smiley woman. Okay. I'll just go ahead and feel everything. And if that makes me a little less pleasant and inefficient, fine. I'm going to practice that. Right. Because that was my only choice. I didn't have my numbing thing anymore. I didn't have booze. So I had to just accept that this is who I was and I was going to have these feelings. I started to understand that actually my uncomfortable feelings were much more instructive to me and helpful to me than even the comfortable ones, right? That the whole world was telling me, you know, you're not depressed or you're not sad or you're not angry because those are normal feelings. You're just, you're just sad and and angry because you don't have these countertops, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, if you just had these countertops, you'd be happy as this woman in this commercial. And if if you just had these jeans, if you just had this diet, if you just had this, blah, blah, blah. And, and, that, and then actually that was a trick to, to make me, you know, easy button my way out of my feeling that also benefited everyone who was selling me shit because really that's an amazing way to run an economy because women who feel less than will all, will buy more, right? Mm-hmm. But then you just keep buying and you just keep buying because you can never get enough of what you never really needed in the first place. So it's a brilliant way to run an economy because, you know, joy and happiness, if your promise are in those products, then it's just always right out of reach. So you spend your whole Mm -hmm. life on a hamster wheel, 
Okay. So when, when I tried to practice stop not doing that, which by the way, I still do it in a million ways. I started to realize that these uncomfortable feelings, if I could sit with them for a while and interrogate them instead of following my bliss all the time, if I could actually follow my anger, follow my, my envy, follow my fear, that that would kind of reveal to me something about me. Hmm. Okay. Like, Mm -hmm. and I hated it. I hated every minute of it as a recovering everything. My go-to is escape, escape, escape. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like a freaking hard practice to not escape, sit, not escape, sit, sit in the fire, sit in the fire, let it teach you. Mm-hmm. So I described it in untamed as like, because I'm obsessed with metaphors, it was almost like every uncomfortable feeling was um, a knock or a ring of my doorbell. Okay. Now anyone who knows me knows that that to me, a doorbell ringing is the most aggressive, terrifying, <laughs> heartbreaking, alarming, terror alert red situation. Like, watch out, to, people, don't do it. I mean, every time the doorbells, I'm like, are you, is that, is someone for real? Like, is that seriously happening? Like, people just go to your house. Anyway, but like, sometimes I think it's a package. So I'm kind of excited, right? So I just have right, to wait it out, right. make sure the person leaves, and then I can see if it's a package. <laughs> Okay. And the, the exciting thing about these uncomfortable feelings to me is that they are terrifying and horrific, just like the doorbell ringing, but there is a delivery to me about me. So what I mean by that is when I feel angry about something, if I can sit with it long enough, instead of what you said, sister, shaming, then putting the layer of shame on top. If we can refuse that shame for our anger and just remind ourselves that this is a normal human emotion that's trying to reveal something to me about me, then it can kind of tell you a boundary maybe you have that's being crossed. That's right. Something in the world that is pissing you off, not because there's something wrong with you, but because there's something wrong that you Mm -hmm. could be in you know, part of changing something in your family that is pissing you off. Maybe it's not something that's wrong with you. Maybe it's something wrong that you could. Sister, what do you think? Because I know we have different theories about this. Well, I think, first of all, your idea of why we avoid it, why we like avoid the feeling and some of it is shame. I think it's, I think it's true, but I think you have to look at the actual physical Thing. Like there's a, there's a reason why we avoid it. That's actually physical too. That's because like, if you're these core emotions, they're not just a feeling that they're happening to and in your body. Mm-hmm. And this is relevant because that's how, how you manage it has to do with the physiological effects it has on you. So if you have one of these core basic um, emotions that were originally critical to our survival, it, they first happen in the subcortical area of the brain. It's the amygdala. So it's like, that is where you first experience fear, anger, all of those things. And it activates an automatic response of, Mm. of a lot of your biological system. So it's like, you know, increased blood flow, heart rate, all of that stuff, including a cortisol dump in your body, which is your stress hormone. So that's relevant because that is that's not a, that's a 
automatic physical reaction that you're having in yes, this moment. That's how I feel when the doorbell rings. Yes, it is. It <laughs> yes. is. That's exactly right. So, so you, so we have that. We think that we're crazy because we have what seems to be an out of proportion response to what's mm. happening. Mm-hmm. So we think that there's something wrong with us because of that when really it's just biological. How many times do you hear women say, I should be grateful, but Mm. I should be happy, but it's like we view having one of these, meaning it's at the exclusion of another. And I feel like, I just feel like it's helpful to think of it another way. Like, it's not like you're 50% grateful and 50% angry. It's like, you can be a hundred percent grateful and a hundred percent angry. Yeah. We take out the but. At the same time. I like the yes. and. I'm yes. grateful and I wish this. I'm grateful and I want this instead of the but. Right. Right. So for me, I think that um, anger is an interesting one because it really is shown to um, motivate people to change things. And that's correct. But I think a lot of these emotions, we have our kind of safety one, even if it shows up in a quote unquote negative way for us. And so Mm -hmm. for me, anger, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. It's kind of my default one and it masks what are other uncomfortable emotions for me, like fear. Mm. You know, I'm not as comfortable um, presenting in a fearful way. I'm more comfortable presenting in an angry way. So I think it's not always... um, it's not always like lean into it. It's more, I think the process and what the research shows is that the best thing you can possibly do is kind of have a neutral, non-judgmental acceptance. Mm. Like that you, that you are learning that you are like a machine (laughs) that when encountered with things, given your context and your history, when you experience, when something passes through you and you're like, oh, I'm angry. Oh, I'm joyful. Oh, I'm afraid. That that having a neutral perception of all of those allows you to see how it plays out in your life, allows you to analyze the situation more mm-hmm. because um, and let more information in because when you name it like that, you can actually process what's happening to you. It's literally just the naming of it will help you to put the brake on that so you can get into the different space of your head to understand it. And I think that that is, that's the difference between a response and a reaction, Mm -hmm. right? You know, a lot of us are like, my go-to move, I'm pissed. Here's what I do. I'm cold death stare. You're getting what, what, as if it's axiomatic that that would be your, that your reaction needs to come out as a result of your emotion. But I, when you get out of it, when you can identify it and say like, this is happening right now, then you can start to see, like, for example, in my pattern, um, I can start to see, oh, that is your reaction. That is based on a perceived threat that you see. What is the perceived threat you can see? And how is that related to all the experiences you've had in your life (laughs) that you are getting information, right? Mm -hmm. I am receiving information as incredibly accurate, but it may not. And that is true. And also there is potentially a whole set of information that is also true Mm -hmm. that is not passing through my system that will help me make an appropriate reaction to it. 
fast. Right? So it's because also you and I, how shall we say, um, I think people who have grown up in in a in a family or culture where the there's a lot of eggshells, walking on eggshells, um, we perceive a lot of things as a threat. Mm-hmm. So our anger or our whatever is activating to a point where if we followed every single anger um, sign, mm-hmm. we would destroy all of our relationships and our lives, right? So right. I actually had to learn a strategy that a friend taught me long ago called save as drafts, okay? <laughs> which, which I've now used as a metaphor in many different parts of my life. But when I... When anger visits me, when I feel anger, my go-to is to do something about it, to use that information as a sign that something needs to be changed or I need to express myself or as you would say, I need to react, okay? So I am allowed to do that. I am allowed mm-hmm. to write all of my feelings to said institution, to said person, to said whatever. All I have to do is save as drafts for 24 hours, right? Mm-hmm. Because what I've learned is while um, uncomfortable feelings are informational and instructive, they are not always good directionally. Like they're not always good in the moment to tell you what to do as an action. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. untrustable in that way. Right? Right. But if I can wait long enough, there's always a nugget that when I it's like sometimes the difference between war and peace is like 15 seconds. It's like, mm-hmm. if I can wait long enough for wisdom to catch up with the feeling, then mm-hmm. the response will not just be a reaction. Yeah. Take a breath. I mean, I think that when we ever get into our arguments, I mean, we actually don't even like argue, argue like anger, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's anger present. Yes. And I think that we're able to capable like deal with it responsibly because I just get still and I get quiet and I'm like, oh, there you are. I'm upset. And I might play defense for a second, but I think getting still and quiet is a really good way to become the observer, to be able to like witness some of these feelings coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, it's just really interesting because it's all that we've, you know, emotions are in us, there's no avoiding it, but it's just information about ourselves. Like it's, it reminds me of the five fights one, that episode that you two did about really when you're talking about what you fight about, it's, it's both of them are these perceived threats to either to your relationship or to your individuality that, that, that becomes like the nugget of what you're fighting about. And it seems like, learning how we go through the world and how we can go through the world in a way um, that we want to really depends on just analyzing, observing ourselves in Mm -hmm. these situations and what's, and what's coming up for us. It's so interesting because when you said about how, you know, this like toxic happiness, Mm. this blew my mind because um, the idea of like the most positive thing you can do is just remain kind of value neutral about emotions is that people who have that, who just kind of like don't feel like feelings are good or bad, they have better 
they not only have better mental health outcomes, but they actually do better on like timed tests, which Mm -hmm. means that when you're not judging your emotions, you're not only feeling better, but you're also able to function better. Mm -hmm. Um, You're able to actually like process information better. And this part blew my mind, which is that people, people who view happiness as very valuable versus people who are kind of non-judgmental about their emotions, the people who place high value on being happy are actually less happy. That's so, that feels exactly right to me. That's true. Isn't it amazing? Because they're just constantly struggling, struggling to meet their own expectations and they're always feeling disappointed. It's like this idea of our culture has taught us the goal is happiness. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to feel happy. That's the golden mm-hmm. ring. As opposed to you are supposed to feel everything. Mm-hmm. So all you have to worry about is, do you, are you alive today? Meaning, are you allowing the experience of being human to flow through you? And are you resisting our culture's demand that you be pleasing and accommodating and smiling constantly? And are you open to more information? You can't just feel the things and react based on, you know, your physiological reaction. Right. right. If you are able to, the the best thing, even with kids and adults, is this like concept of being able to reappraise. Like you have your reaction, you have your physical dump, And then you're able to say like, what, is it possible that there is more information available that would open up to a different emotion right now? Okay. I want to get into examples of this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's make this real. All right. What would your go-to be and what would be Mm -hmm. a, a, a healthier way to walk through it? Give me an example. So, Okay. Let's say that my husband doesn't respond to like an important request that I have about the kids. I feel like it's like really important that something for them depends on this. We've got to get this done, et cetera. And if he doesn't respond to that, then I will immediately go straight to anger, like straight to anger, which will actually be anger and fear, right? But it will be anger. And I will have my emotional response. Then I will feel like I have all my information. I am alone in this. It's up to me to figure it out. My kids need things that we're not going to give them. Therefore, they're going to be ill-equipped for life. (laughs) Therefore, so I'm like, I am gone. I am just, I am dog paddling through a sea of cortisol right now. Mm -hmm. And I have all that information. I have received it and I know it's true. But like reappraisal in that situation would be the process of reevaluating it and being like, is it possible that he's in a meeting right now? (laughs) (laughs) Is it possible he is doing research on what I've suggested? Is it possible that his processing of information, albeit different than mine, doesn't reflect his not caring just as much as I do about this thing? Mm -hmm. Like all, is it also possible that my kids in this moment are okay. Mm. Right. So these, so it is, so I am, I am having genuinely that response. Yeah. 
It is true to me. It is also possible that there is more information available to me that would cause me to have um, a better ability to handle life and to react to challenges in life because really that's what emotions are for, right? Yes. So so what you were saying to me is that, I mean, emotion, which is energy in motion, energy, Mm -hmm. it's energy, it's flowing through our body. That is real. That is information. It is often completely in, it is information that is sometimes also um, flawed or informed by our past trauma or incomplete. Incomplete. It's incomplete. So there's an and both here. There's a third mm-hmm. way. So there is mm-hmm. a way of not ignoring or shutting down that emotion, mm-hmm. but also not completely succumbing or surrendering completely to it, feeling it and meeting it with some wisdom and questions. I liked your, is it possible that? Because mm-hmm. I go to that too. Abby, doesn't mm-hmm. that sound familiar to me? I mean, what is it, sister, that makes us feel in every moment that the world is against us immediately? Even your partners, even the people that you guys <laughs> chose to marry and spend the rest of your lives with. It, it's, it stuns me how quickly... It can happen and how I, it happens so often, honey, and this is not a judgment. This is who you are and it's fine. Mm -hmm. Or these are emotions that come up for you. But I see it happen so frequently that it makes me feel sad for you. Mm -hmm. That that's your instinct, your, your knee jerk reaction. That reptilian response is questioning, is lack of trust, is fear is Mm -hmm. I could have done it better. Like this kind of belief system that I think both of you probably would agree that you have, which makes you so successful in so many ways, but also really makes you probably suffer. suffer. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. The immediate feeling of what is happening right now is verification that I am on my own. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I think that's what it is. It's like this. I mean, when we learned how to, to fight better, babe, was it took me, I would say this entire time, maybe four years, maybe three solid years to really believe that we were on the same team. To not, to not go into every fight with like, oh, here we go. Yep. This is where this it's me versus you. I think it's interesting that we started this whole podcast. The first ever episode was um, on depression and anxiety. So where do you see that, Glennon, in this conversation? I'm wildly defensive and protective of all of my depressive and anxious bunnies, okay? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like we live on a planet that no one understands, (laughs) okay? Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location. It's the neighborhood. It's so much more. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. 
Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with state rankings and student-to-teacher ratios. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. When someone says to me, like compares depression to sadness or or anger or envy, it, it feels to me like comparing like um, diabetes to those things. Like they're just mm-hmm. completely and utterly different. To, people experience depression in all different ways. Um, but for me, there's, there's usually a catalyst to it when it comes and visits me in life that has to do with at first it feels like an onslaught of all the feelings of all mm-hmm. the uncomfortable feelings. So it's like, if you can deal with them one at a time, there's this time that happens to me every few years where it just all starts coming so fast and so furious and so constant mm-hmm. that I am unable to even, um, identify them anymore. Okay. Like, I don't know what's what anymore. Um, when I'm in that time when I read back on like those those essays from Untamed about feelings being deliveries, they feel totally Pollyanna and ridiculous to me. And I wrote them. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when depression comes, it's like, it's such an onslaught that I can't, it's like if you take all the colors, if all the feelings are colors, and then you just take a huge paintbrush and just like smush them all, swirl them up so much that it just turns into this like dark gray nothingness. Mm-hmm. So to me, depression is this like onslaught of everythingness that suddenly turns into a nothingness. Um, and, mm. and, and the nothingness is almost a relief at first until it's not because you, you decide, even though you've already been there and gotten out before, that you will never get out, that now you're in the abyss of gray. And now I feel like maybe this is a little too much. <laughs> no, I think, I think that something that happens, though, is you spend those weeks, sometimes months, trying to pinpoint, oh, here's, here's fear, here's anger, here's, and you're like trying to like self, um, diagnose. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, and I think that you have such an anxiety of the gray of the depressive. I'm anxious about my depression. (laughs) Yes. Yes. She's like, I think I'm getting depressed. I, I, I feel it coming. And so you have anxiety about getting depressed. And then when you do find yourself in depression, you feel like you will never return. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, those space movies where you, someone's like, like the people on the on the space shuttle are trying to keep somebody from flying off into nothingness. That's how I feel when I mm. am going into it. It's like, I want to be with my people. I want to be on the spaceship, but am I going? Am I going? Am I going? Okay. So I'm glad you asked that though, because I just want to. I know we have to stop in a minute. And so I think in the next one, in the next episode, we should talk about this, the way the world seems to be experiencing the world right now. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people who are probably listening where when people talk to me about how they're feeling these days, Hmm. after years of the deluge, the onslaught of things to be angry about, things to be fearful about, the COVID of it all, the climate change of it all, the the um, Afghanistan of it all, the Haiti of it all, the, 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 
the new things every week, mm-hmm. it, the way they're describing themselves to me, it's not depression. Okay. Trust me. I live on the other planet. I know it's not depression, but it feels to me a touch like all the colors have blended together. Mm-hmm. The onslaught of mm-hmm. hard feelings yeah. have made even healthy people a little bit gray. Like yeah. just using numbness and gray as a freaking survival, an understandable survival technique. We can't even pinpoint anything anymore. We are just frozen. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? When you think about, I mean, in a very real way for the past year and a half, we have been, um, and many people who have been traumatized even well before then, um, we have been receiving a deluge of information Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we need to adapt to very quickly to survive the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, all of our structures closing, all of our things, our kids relied upon all our, our health is at risk or whatever. And if, if you're constantly like threat, threat, adapt, adapt over and over and over again, nonstop that it there, when that happens chronically, the studies show that that does, like when you're activating on a constant cortisol dump, chronically, 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 that does lead to depression. Mm-hmm. Like they're very highly correlated, including other really um, unhealthful, you know, mm-hmm. ways of um, coping. And so I think a lot of us, I mean, my God, that's why eating disorders have spiked during this time. It's like every way of coping with mm-hmm. the uncopable is is in effect right now. Yeah. And I think we just, there is part of that. That is the plan. That is the idea that if the powers that be just wear us the hell out, if we just go numb, if we just, there's a third way, there's a way that we can protect ourselves and still be in the world and still be showing up while while allowing ourselves to also have a human experience because we only have one life and we get to have joy during this life right now. That's right. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit more in the next episode. Pod Squad, some of what we share with you on the show are our individual unique experiences in therapy and the takeaways that help us grow, appreciate each other and navigate this beautiful life we're doing together. Thank you for doing it with us. But the things we talk about in therapy itself, these are things we wouldn't necessarily share with just anyone. I think there are a few things more important than finding the right person to share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and questions with, like a therapist. That's why we are thrilled about Alma's support of our show. They're big believers that you need the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. Alma helps you to find a therapist who gets you based on your needs, someone with whom you'll feel comfortable, heard, secure. Plus, and this shouldn't be overlooked, over 96% of therapists at Alma accept insurance because you want to pick someone based on the right fit, not just based on finances. You can browse their directory now. You don't even need to create an account. Visit helloalma.com slash hard things to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash hard things. 
Right now, our next right thing this week, y'all, is going to be, sister, do you want to do this one? Can you do the sure. next right thing for us? Okay. Okay. This is really exciting. We're going <laughs> to think about our feelings about our feelings Oh, because we cannot control the things that happen to us, but the only way that we can um, affect our ability to recover and have stronger mental health is to think about our beliefs about our own emotions. So mm-hmm. number one, we're going to think about whether we believe emotions are good or bad or um, helpful or unhelpful. We're going to try to get to the place where we can just have neutral acceptance. They are all just information. Mm, okay. All helpful in that they are delivering information. Mm-hmm. Not good, not bad, just delivering information. Mm-hmm. Number two, we're going to think about whether we think our emotions are completely out of our control and unchangeable or whether they are capable of shifting with new information. Hmm. Because even just our belief about that affects, you don't even have to let the new information in. You can, okay, wait a minute. You just believe. I need, I need to understand that one. So okay. this number two is, so I have texted Abby. She has not texted me back immediately. Mm-hmm. I am pissed off. I am abandoned. I am alone. <laughs> I knew I couldn't trust anybody. True story, folks. True story. fired up. Happening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that I, all you're asking me to do is consider whether more information, like wondering if Abby's just in the dentist chair, might be able to shift that fury? I am asking you to make a belief about your emotions, that okay. your emotions are capable of shifting, that they are not completely out of your control. If you believe that your emotions are not out of your control, you will be more likely to engage in the reappraisal process, which is allowing new information in, which is reimagining the situation as possibly different than you originally experienced it. And if you do that, it's similar to the growth mindset in education. You know how like this whole like revelation of you believe that Mm -hmm. intelligence comes from effort rather than natural talent. Mm -hmm. Scientists believe that the exact same parallel is happening with emotions. That like, if you believe that emotions are something that you can impact, that you yourself, Glennon, have an impact on the emotion you're feeling right now, and it's not wildly out of your control, then you will be more willing to try to strategies like reappraisal and you will recover better from life. Wow. wow. I feel like what sister just did in terms of closing this up is going to literally change Glennon's life. No, no, no. I'm not ready to consider it. I'm going to consider considering it is all I'm saying. She's going to try to try. I'm going to try to try. I'm not going to try. But okay, but I'm serious. Wow. I understand what you're saying. I'm going to think about whether I might or might not believe that it is possible for me to have different emotional experiences, that it's not just constantly happening to me, that it's not out of my control. Yep. I will consider that. That that would be perhaps make the next part of my life completely different than the first part. So I'm going to think about it, sister. Thank you for that very difficult next right thing. And like might have a very big impact on what you're going through right this second with chase and it's not to say that it isn't like that it isn't a neurological physiological response right like the same place where we store 
where we experience those emotions is the exact same place that releases the neurotransmitters for memory, which is why when we have an emotion like that, we are experiencing in reverse, Yes, that's how it feels. We are, our situation right now is being justified by very unfortunately, the place where we hold recall also holds the emotion, right? So we are experiencing the the 60,000 times that affirm why we should be super upset mm-hmm. in this moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not forward thinking. It's not taking into account what's happening right now. It's, wow. it's backward justified. Mm. So, but that doesn't serve us. Right. right. I'm preaching to you your same stuff. Sister. I know you are yeah. You're saying it a different way. Yeah, saying, because I mean, to me, I would say, Glennon, don't attach this to a story. What's happening right now. The language I use mm-hmm. is Okay, Abby hasn't texted me back. Don't jump. What is actually happening right now is that Abby hasn't texted you back yet. Correct. You're attaching it to the story of you can never depend on anyone and you will always be abandoned and someone will always, and here we go, and the other shoe and blah, blah, blah. But actually that's attaching a story. All that's happening right now is. The irony is that I've never let you down in that way. Like, no, like, like, oh, no, reality it's, doesn't it's matter. From, babe. It's from before I even got here. So it's like, right. it's crazy. And the next right thing this week, folks, is listen to everything that sister just said. I am. Wow. Yeah. That was incredible. I feel changed. <laughs> you didn't I even do. need to change, baby. I feel changed. A the little. only one on this call that didn't need to change. Yeah, but exactly. That's has just why, changed. Sister. No, She's but so I'm, I'm your partner. I'm the I partner know. of somebody who, Needs to change. No, no. (laughs) Who is deeply in her feelings a lot. And so it makes me know you better. It makes me help be a better partner for you. And yeah, this is equally as important to me as it is to you, even if it's not necessarily directly influencing my life. I love you. We got to wrap it up, y'all. We love you so much. Good luck with that next right thing. (laughs) We're going to see you back here um, in a couple days if things get hard this week, and they will. Just don't forget that we can do hard things. See you soon. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire. I came out the other side. I chased desire. I made sure I got what's mine. I continue to
a brand new star I'm not the problem Sometimes things fall apart And I continue to is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine.